coming in here and it's somewhat difficult to want to break up the conversations that are happening at your tables um, just because it's, I don't know about you, but after not being here last week, it was really exciting to be able to come back into this space and to see all of you and, and to begin to, to take these last uh, few weeks and, and journey together into next steps of, of stepping out into Trinity Mission Church or as, as Trinity Mission Church this year. Um, if you're just joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, my name is Brad Claver, and this is Bree Pate. And um, we've had, over the last, in October and November, had had five gatherings together that were really focused on vision and worshiping together, uh, taking those, these five kind of key aspects and elements of who we are as the body of Christ and uh, how that looks and how that will be reflected within this community of Trinity Mission Church. And, um, and now, uh, this, this weekend next, uh, we decided it just would be, it would make sense to also have sort of this learning component, this, this two-week elective. Uh, that feels pretty official, but um, <laughs> maybe more of a, a conversation surrounding uh, these things called microchurch communities. And, um, and really just the opportunity to, to sit with you all this week and next uh, to share a bit more of that vision. Ken did an incredible job laying out high-level vision for us, what makes us tick, and, and, and what's, what drives us coming out of, out of the text and out of the gospel. And hopefully these next two weeks can help to uh, provide a little bit more of that in-between from high-level vision down to the ground level of, of practice that way. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I might, I might end up you know, needing to blow my nose and cough this morning. This is if we can all just kind of set the precedent that the Lord allows us to walk in weakness. And uh, in that way... Um, I, uh, I woke up with a, a pretty nasty bug this morning. So, um, but nonetheless, it's just good to be here with you all, and um, we'd love to just open us our time in prayer, and then and then begin from that. Father, thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the ability to wake up and to um, to know that that you've been with us and you are with us and you are ahead of us, Lord. Father, I thank you that in a room like this uh, and we can be aware that in a room this size with this many people, Lord, that, that everybody's coming uh, with uh, different things on their hearts, different things in their minds, uh, things that are swirling around, Lord, and, and Father, you see and you know and you are acquainted with each one of those things. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are God who sees and who knows. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we can come, and even in our, in our time together, Lord, may it be worshipful. May it be honoring to you. May it be something that flows uh, from our hearts and, uh, and allows us to, to walk steadily together into this next season of, of relationship, but also as, as your church. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice, Jesus, that you made. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for walking this earth, for being obedient, for being an example to us of what truly rendering your heart and your life to the Father looks like. For your sacrificial offering on our behalf, Lord, and we thank you that we experience true and full and fulfilling life mm -hmm. through you, Jesus. And so, Lord, in the things that we talk about today and the ways that you lead us along in the, the ways that your spirit moves, Father. I pray that it would be from that place. 
and not from our own strength, not from our own wisdom or might, but by you, Lord. We thank you for this day. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, do we have enough chairs? Sorry, I'm losing my microphone here. Um, part of the reason why we have you sitting in circles and at tables this morning versus uh, in rows is um, the kind of person that I am is I like dialogue. I like to be able to sit and, and not only have the opportunity to share uh, with you uh, vision and opportunities of what God's doing, but also then to turn it back into our tables and to say, how, do, how does this fit within what God's doing in our, in our midst? And so um, that's what tomorrow, this, this morning is going to be, is uh, opportunity to share a little bit, to, uh, to walk you through some of this vision, uh, but there will be some, also some time in this, in this morning where we get to, uh, to dialogue together and have a conversation, and, and hopefully as a, as a community, as tables, uh, it kind of enriches and, and, and brings about a greater understanding of what we're talking about to this morning. So, um, so I, as, a, as part of this team, uh, with all of you, have the privilege to serve in uh, kind of the area of developing this uh, mobilization effort of mission, uh, micro church planting, and, uh, and how do we take the things that God is doing in front of us, the calls that he's placed on all of our hearts uniquely um, and importantly, and how do we, instead of programming that out or, or um, dictating how that looks, more so coming underneath what it is that God is leading you all to do, to support, to serve, to help equip, to resource, and to, to release. Uh, the opportunity to, to try things and to, to explore, to set out on some, some of this risk-taking journey of, A, that is church planting in, in and of itself, but then also these micro-church plants. Um, the joy of being together in relationship and community that is is firstly wrapped and rooted in the gospel. I guess it did go to sleep. Um, but also uh, the thing that causes us to really cry out to the Father and say, without you in control leading and shepherding us, uh, it's only in our own strength that way. And so it's my joy to be able to team with you in that as you guys uh, are, are discerning and, uh, and listening to the call that God places on your heart in these different communities that way. Don't you want to share a little bit from yourself too? Yeah. So I also am kind of in the micro church network coordination aspect of Trinity Mission Church. So along with Brad and his leadership, get to help in the mobilization of these smaller groups. It's something that has been so exciting for us to see, especially um, as we were dreaming and praying and planning for all of this. It's so exciting to see the way that God is already working in so many of our hearts and what he's bringing together. So using this time just to catch the vision and I'll be on the same page. Uh, I look forward to it and I look forward to working alongside many of you and many others as we go throughout this season of microchurch planting. Mm. So this morning, how we want to start is just give kind of a little bit of, a, of an overview, a picture of, of where we've been. And um, I think it makes sense to really give you a picture of the larger story that's at hand. Um, something happened uh, just over a year and a half ago where God brought uh, two different, unique people together into the same room and allowed for a lot of uh, dreaming and uh, heart connection and life of just being able to recognize that the way that we see 
the church and ecclesiology and, and God's heart for mission and redeeming and renewing the world uh, was very much a similar heartbeat between these two people, and yet these two people represented uh, very different gifts and uh, leadership styles and uh, abilities. And, um, and the, the two people I'm talking about is myself and, and Ken, um, the opportunity that God's allowed us to be able to walk this journey to say, how is it that he uses unique contributors to the kingdom to advance the kingdom, to advance the work of the gospel all throughout and in a way that doesn't allow us and doesn't require us to have to do things the same way as each other, but realizing that um, because of the things that God's allowed us to have experience in, the, the, the training and equipping, the learning um, that, that he's allowed us to walk in, but also the things that cause our hearts to beat really fast and how when those things are joined together, uh, God began to really solidify and shape and mold what this model of Trinity Mission Church will look like. And um, so I think it's safe to say that over the last five weeks, if you were able to be a part of any or all of our vision and worship gatherings, you saw that uh, God has uniquely gifted Ken in a way to bring about sometimes complex um, theological ideas and even things that in this context of West Michigan, uh, paradigms exist about those things to challenge them, to, to focus attention on them, but then to also allow us to get to this place where we were able to, to see the beauty of what it means to gather as a body of believers under Christ for worship, for community, and to be sent back out on mission that way. And so there's this sense in which uh, God's allowed for that role that, that Ken plays in leadership in particular in that gathered way, that, that, that that's where he thrives. But then there was this other piece that as, as Ken and I began to sit together, we realized that sometimes in the conversation of church planting and church growth that there's sometimes is this, this is it this way or is it this way? Is it, is it the gathered or is it the scattered? What is more important? And, and as we began to sit together, we realized our hearts beat for both, that there's this beauty when, when believers gather together in sincere worship, both together as a, as a larger priesthood but then are also sent out into different places around the community, around the city, around the world as priests in unique ways that are scattered together, that there's a potency that exists there within the body of Christ. There's a potency in, in how, that, how that works and how the spirit moves in that way. And so that has really began to shape how we see this model of, of Trinity Mission Church. And so we value both that gathered expression, what you experienced in these last five weeks, but also we value and see the importance of what it means to release and mobilize believers in, in life-giving community out into, the, into their communities that way. And so, and in between, there is this shared kind of mode of discipleship and development and equipping that exists there in this, in this model that way. Um, to put it a little bit differently, um, we don't highlight or heighten the gathered or the scattered over the other. We aren't saying that one is more important than the other or, or one is less valuable than the other or is a secondary vehicle to, uh, to knowing Jesus, encountering Jesus, and, and being discipled into relationship with Jesus. We're saying that these are two very important key elements that we see all through Scripture that Jesus himself is modeling for us and that we want to live into. And so to put it a little bit differently, it's, it's, like, we are, we, it's like God's allowed us to build a house that actually has two front doors. 
two front doors that, move, that enter into the same space. And one of those front doors is the gathered expression. And one of those front doors is the scattered expression. And the same space that both of those doors enter into is actually the body of Christ. The joy of being brought into uh, the relationship with Jesus, knowing him, being intimate with him, and being welcomed into the family of God that way. And so whether that means that people enter into the gathered expression to come and see Jesus or they enter into the scattered expression to come and see Jesus, we value both tremendously. And so it's really important for us as we begin to think through this process of what does it mean for us to really, uh, to really live into that value, to actually not just say that we value microchurches or just to say that we value the gathered, but actually to live into it. And so part of that comes from how do we, how do we you know, put our money where our mouth is? And so resources and staffing and opportunities to share all flows towards that desire to hold both of those things in a unique place where both of them are important that way. Now, what you won't hear, which oftentimes happens, and, you know, I've had the privilege of being sort of in small group development world or community development world for the last 10 years, is the temptation or the tendency that we might have is to actually say, Everybody needs to be in a microchurch. That if you're going to be a part of Trinity Mission Church, that you have to be in a microchurch. And to be very honest with you, I get really nervous about saying something like that. Partly because what we've done in saying a state, making a statement like that is we've always we've already said that yes, it's important for you to enter in through the gathered door, but you aren't really fully a part of this until you do one more thing. Does that make sense? And so instead of having that conditional peace to really say that this full expression of what it means to live out our call as the church is both, is the opportunity and the joy that's, that, that we don't necessarily control that and we don't dictate that, you may enter into a, to the gathered expression and over time discover that God's actually allowed you to step into a microchurch perhaps without you even knowing it. Um, or for those people who you are being sent to in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, or the people that, that exist that have yet to come and see Jesus, or, or perhaps those, those folks who have walked away from the church and who really, in every way, would rather not darken the door of a quote-unquote church. To be able to allow them that ability to freely enter into that expression of the body of Christ in that scattered microchurch expression without that next step of, oh, Welcome, but there's one more thing. We want people to come and see Jesus. We want people to come and know the life-giving power of Jesus. And we see that there is a beauty And when, yes, believers are gathered together in unified worship for the sake of making Jesus known in, when it's a larger setting, very similar to what we've seen the last five weeks, but it's just as powerful when there's an expression that exists in homes, in workplaces, in pubs, in, in, on, on, the, on the football pitch. Wherever that begins to take place, there's an intention there. And so that really has driven our model for what it means to be a gathered and scattered community. That we see that that unity between the both is increasingly important, especially in this culture where we aren't sometimes sure if we should continue going to church or if it really matters to go and make disciples in our workplaces or in the, in the context where we're at. 
and I, I have to say this too because I think I've, I had the joy to talk to a lot of you in this whole process and a lot of folks asking the question, okay, tell me more about microchurches. Tell me more about what is this expression of microchurches? Is it, is it sort of this glorified idea of a small group or is it, is it really your small group ministry that you just don't want to call small groups because maybe the, perhaps the stigma that exists there and so you're choosing to call it microchurches? Um, the answer is no. We're not compelled to have microchurches or to form microchurches in, in Trinity Mission Church to give you more things to do. I think it's, it's, you know, we can all agree that we're all busy, right? We have a lot of things on our plates. More so, we are compelled to form, to equip, and to mobilize microchurch communities for the sake of the effectiveness that God has in store and in mind for the church to truly be the church, to be an effective witness of the gospel wherever you are. And so instead of, of myself or Bree or Ken or any of the, the, the Trinity Mission Church team uh, saying, well, this is what it's going to look like or this is how you have to form a microchurch or what it means to form a microchurch, uh, we instead want to begin in that restful place of actually asking the question, what does it mean to pay attention to what God is already doing in your midst? So it's not simply saying I have all of this going on over here and then I have all of these requirements to maintain good standing within the church. It's starting from a place of just simply paying attention. And Ken hit on that really well uh, that last week of, of our time or the fourth week of our time uh, in our gatherings, um, but instead of it being motivated out of a motivation to do, it's motivated out of a being. And so Bree's going to touch on that a little bit uh, yeah. in these next moments. Awesome. And like Brad said, Ken did an incredible job laying the foundation of paying attention in this art of really just getting quiet and seeing what God is already doing in our existing spheres of influence. And as we step into the scattered, like Brad said, we all have this tension between life life and church life. So life life, we have work, we have extracurriculars, we're doing things and we're always running it seems like. So we tend to compartmentalize our church life. So whether it's volunteering on a Sunday or being a work uh, week day volunteer, whatever it is, we, we really try to like separate them and it becomes more of a performance. Am I checking the boxes? Am I meeting the needs of fulfilling both church world and world world? And what we really see as this scattered mentality and how to step into a micro church is just paying attention to what God is already doing. So we aren't asking or challenging you to create something new or to manipulate work into being because that would be our own mission. But what we really believe is that God is already at work restoring and renewing so many people in all of our different spheres of influence, whether it's in the workplace or extracurriculars or at your children's schools. Wherever it may be, we know that God is already at work. So really, we don't have to create anything new. We just need to get quiet with God and allow him to speak to us and stir into our hearts of what he's already doing in our spheres. So as an example for me, just a quick one. <coughs> Uh, rewind about a year ago, I was praying, God, I want to have this job at this time. My husband and I had just moved to Grand Rapids, and I was ready for a transition. So I kept telling him, like, this is what I want. This is what I want. Um, and during that season of me praying and asking, 
for a new position, mm. my husband and I started coming to the prayer nights with Trinity. And it was great, and we loved it. And we definitely knew that God had led us into that group. But it took me really getting quiet. I commute back and forth to my job. So I had some good quiet time. And instead of asking God for things and to start things, it was listening to what he's already doing. So I felt very strongly in my heart that he said, hey, Bree, I have this already in front of you. You know, Trinity Mission Church, this thing. And for me, I was like, whoa, I will never work at a church. God, I don't know if I'm adequate or equipped. But just listening to him and knowing that he doesn't call us because we're adequate or prepared, but that he asked for obedience. And so just opening my hands up and saying, okay, and exploring this as not only a job opportunity, but just as a way to be obedient and serve him is something that we really want to see throughout the micro churches. So we don't want you guys to think that you have to create something new and crazy that um, is a lot of work but that you can just get quiet with God and listen and say, in what ways can I be obedient? In what ways can I be faithful to where you have me with the existing people that you have me and the influence that you have around me? So I think first and foremost, it's paying attention, but also recognizing that God is already at work and we don't have to really create something new. And I hope that's, I know I'm a, I tend to bend toward achieving and performance so it was kind of a breath of fresh air for me, and I hope it is for you guys as well because, like Brad said, we're all busy, and we feel like we're running a million miles per hour, but sometimes we just need to sit back and relax and breathe in and breathe out and just recognize what God is already doing at work and just feel honored and privileged to step into that with him. So one of the foundations of microchurch formation and the vision that we have is that you won't go out and have to start something from ground zero, which you might. You might be pioneering something new or on the front lines, but that really it would be just getting quiet in front of God and paying attention to the needs and the brokenhearted around you and your existing spheres of influence. So what could this look like? Ideally, we don't want to give you strict guidelines of what it could look like because we don't want to narrow your perspective or to put you in a box. So just these are the overarching umbrella of ideas for microchurches. The first would be a mission-based one. And this is one we tend to talk more about. Um, it is a group of people that long to live out the ecclesial minimum of community worship. But also that mission part is what really joins them together. So we had somebody share about refugees. That would be a mission-based microchurch. There's a group of people that come together, they have community, they have worship, but they are really driving to go out and fight that injustice together, whether it's alleviating resource needs or whatever it may be that God has placed in their midst to confront and to handle, that would be a mission-based one. So that's one example. It also could just be a group of people who long to do life together, but also don't lose that missional aspect. So for that one, at first, it might look like a house church or a small group, but it doesn't stay there. It's always with the idea to go out <coughs> and be the disciples and to be the priests that Christ has called us to be in our spheres of influence. So it could be a group of people that comes together to worship and to eat and 
to just talk about how they can better be disciples in their own separate influences. So maybe it's not united in mission, but there's still that missional piece. And then also we are already seeing these come into fruition, but something campus-based. There's already groups that have been forming and taking place that really just serve um, the heartbeat and to be disciples on campuses. So that is also what it could look like, but we will talk a little bit more about that as we go on as well. So I have a lot of snot running in my head, so I actually forgot my my Bible uh, in the office here. But um, I want to I want to begin this next part of this conversation uh, because this really hey thank you. <laughs> this feels weird. <laughs> Weakness, right, folks? I'm telling you, <laughs> Nate Sylvie, folks. I think it's important to ask the question, what do we mean by microchurch? What, what does that really mean? Um, because I think, I don't know about you, I think I have had so many opportunities in the last several years to encounter people who, um, who are influenced by, by pressure and by, by expectations that either we put on ourselves or that um, leadership that, we, that we're connected to, maybe we feel like there's pressure there to, to attain a certain kind of role or um, mode of thought within our communities that exist. Um, and, it, and it causes our wheels to spin. It causes us to, um, to get tired. And it, it it's, I don't know about you, but it's exhausting at times to have to kind of maintain this status here versus really being able to say, what does God mean by uh, what, when, he, when he reveals to us in scriptures, uh, what does it mean to be the church? And, um, you know, the passage that, that always just resonates in my mind as far as what, what is the work that God has allowed us to be welcomed into? What is this missional work that God has called his people to be a part of, to, to join with him in? Because it isn't ours. Like Bree said, we have that tendency or that temptation all the time to get out ahead of God and to, and to, to establish things that really end up being more about us and about what we think we need or what we want versus how does God want to reveal himself and how does he want me to join with him in the work that he's already doing? And um, the passage that really comes to mind is this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And um, I'm going to start by reading uh, at verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their, counting their trespasses against them. And he, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. He made Jesus to be the one to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
And I think as we, as we really step back from all the noise, all the expectations, I don't know, this is the hard thing about a, about a shepherding kind of guy like me, is that I would love right now to just go table to table and actually ask you all what, where you're at and what things are you bringing into this room and sit with you for as long as it takes to tease that out. And I don't have that privilege to do that this morning, but I think that what I do know at least from enough of my own uh, kind of brokenness and the sin that exists in me, but also sitting with many folks who have stepped into this role that, that we, we have given this, we've been given this message that, that Jesus is the one who has reconciled all things to the Father, that he is the, work, the one who's doing the work of reconciling, and that we've been given that voice of reconciliation to invite and inspire people to come and see Jesus. And yet, there's also this tendency for us to go, but what else are we supposed to bring to this as well? Mm-hmm. Right? And so, the thing I think is really important as we step into this, what is a microchurch conversation, is first of all, I think for each of us individually to be honest with ourselves of what paradigms or if you want to call it baggage, what baggage you bring into this. What baggage do you bring into this that it's, it's the gospel and, or it's, it's Jesus and, or it's, it's church and, and instead just saying, what is it that Jesus has modeled for us? If he is the one who has reconciled the world to the Father and he is doing the work of continuing to redeem and renew the world uh, as the Father desires, that we've got to start in terms of this understanding of what it means to be the church by understanding what it is that Jesus has done and how he walked the earth. And, and what we see all throughout the scriptures, all, all throughout the gospel, is that Jesus really simply gives himself to three very specific things. He gives himself to a, a life of submission and worship to the Father. You, hear, you, you read several times where he says that, that I don't do anything apart from what my Father tells me to do. That, that there is this desire that after a long day of ministry, when, when Jesus himself is tired, that he, he escapes and he, he goes off to a place of, of quiet and silence and to be in the presence of God, to, to orient his heart to the Father in that way. And so for us, in the same way, the important piece for us to recognize is that one important element is, is as we are, are brought into unity with Christ and we, as the body, are built up into our head, who is Jesus Christ, that we ourselves are meant to reflect that same lifestyle pattern of worship. And so worship becomes a really important part of what it means to be the church. Second of all, Jesus does this incredible thing early on in his ministry where he begins to call 12 men into relationship, into close proximity with him, where he begins to establish a community. And this is the potent thing about what Jesus alone is able to do. Jesus alone is able to take two men and and many others, but let's use these two men in particular, a zealot and a tax collector, people who act who, who live their lives on complete opposite spectrums of the political world at that time. And he says, I'm picking both of you, and I'm going to do a work that causes people to see that only I 
can do the work of reconciling your differences to be able to work together into this new thing that I'm doing. And so Jesus creates community. He forms community, both a close community, not closed, but close community of believers, of of people who are called to walk with him. But he also does this in such a way where there are also porous walls of that community where people who are onlookers, who are learners, who are looking in, who are following him, who are are being fed uh, the broken bread along with 5,000 other people, um, who get to peer into what it is that Jesus himself is doing amongst his community, and they're welcomed into that. And so community becomes this vital and important piece, but it's not community for community's sake. It's not community that meets our own needs. It's community that causes us to come and die. It's community that causes us to, to ask first, how do I give my life away to these people? Because that's what Jesus, our reconciler, did, versus I come into community because I have need. Yes, we all have need, right? We are all broken. We all have need. But if need is our, is our momentum into that community, it only goes so far. And then the third piece is this, that, that there's, this, there's this incredibly potent statement that, that we see early on in Jesus' ministry when he's in the, in the synagogue and he, he uh, begins to recite and declare that he has come to release captives, to, to bring joy from those and beauty from those who have walked and who've been clothed in ashes, to give a garment of praise to those that are in mourning and grieving, to bring about a newness of life and a joy and a hope for the world. He recites and he declares Isaiah 61 and in their presence says, today this has been fulfilled. That is his declaration that the mission of God, the kingdom of God is in your midst and the mission to renew and to restore the world has come to this culmination point in that time, with Jesus arriving and Jesus coming to earth. And so mission becomes the other, the third piece, the third leg of what we see Jesus doing. He spends a whole lot of his time orienting his life to the Father. He spends a whole lot of his time being with his disciples, and he spends a whole lot of his time with the poor, with the broken, with the marginalized, with the needy, with the sick, with those calling out uh, the injustices that exist within the, within the world, um, speaking truth to the power that exists in that, in that world at that time. That is this work of being a, com- a, a worshiping community on mission. And so when we as disciples of Jesus and those who are the part of the body of Christ connected the head, when we ask the question, what is it at the very basic level what does it mean to be the church that's what it is it's to be a worshiping community on mission and so uh as as brie reflected and 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 mentioned um this is not our term actually we have some wonderful friends that over the course of 10 years we've had the joy to get to know uh there's a a community called the tampa underground down in in, believe it or not tampa florida um (laughs) blame it on the snot um who have been walking this journey as well and who have been so willing to offer up and to serve and to teach and to, to say, hey, we believe in this and we also want to offer this to others who, who long to learn and, and to be brought into the church that way. But this whole idea of this ecclesial minimum, that at the very minimum level and, and what it means to, 
the, the basic expression of what it means to be the church is when we see community, worship, and mission all intersect. And the beautiful thing is that when we see that intersection happen, Jesus is right at the center of that. And so our community is no longer this initiatives, these microchurch initiatives aren't just these things that happen because they're good ideas. They're not, they're not, we don't, we don't enter into community because we have this longing because we're lonely and we need friends or because we need to gain more knowledge of the scriptures. Those are all good things. Having meals together are wonderful. Bible studies are wonderful. Going out and serving is, is wonderful. But if it's detached from this first expectation that to be the church really means to pursue and to, be, be, to long for true encounters with Jesus, that we've lost sight of what our focus is to be the church. And not only that, when we have this vision to invite and inspire other people to come and see Jesus, if we've lost that drive to, to, to long in that longing to encounter Jesus, that who will people actually be encountering if he's not at the center of these initiatives, if he's not at the center driving these things when we gather together, correct? And so that's this picture of the ecclesial minimum that really informs everything that we do in terms of the next steps of these microchurches. It isn't simply, you know, hey, getting around a, a group of people and saying, okay, what do we need to do? It's firstly saying, okay, in the light of the fact that the, the very basic expression of the church is worshiping communities on mission, what will that actually begin to look like? And not just look like from what we, what we know to be what worship is, or what we know to be what community is, or what we know to be what mission is from our own past experiences, but how does Jesus want to inform those things? What does it mean for us to rend our hearts and to, to uh, realign at times sometimes? I still have that. I mean, worship at its core is orienting our lives and our hearts in submission to the Father. But sometimes I also need to reorient my life and re-surrender my life to Jesus in that place as well. And so that's really what drives these things. It's where life happens. It's where, where, where fruit is born is when we stay connected to the life, to that life-giving work of Jesus in that way. And so um, from a high-level standpoint, I'd like to just say that. Worship is, is what I just said, reorienting our lives and, and orienting our lives and reorienting our lives at times to Jesus. Community, living in authentic and vulnerable relationships where when we take 2 Corinthians into consideration that that work of, of reconciliation only exists when we first are willing to unmask ourselves. I think there are a lot of people in West Michigan who are stepping into community because they're lonely, but then they aren't willing to actually trust the work of reconciliation in their lives and in their communities because for the fear that if they truly began to share with people who they really were and what things they really struggled with and what sin existed in their lives, that maybe the whole point and purpose of stepping into community in the first place would be dashed anyways because people would step away from them. But what would it mean for Christian community to actually believe the reconciling work of Jesus where we could unmask ourselves and step into truly transparent and vulnerable community where it's hard, yeah. where it is so 
difficult to stand before a brother or a sister and say, this is the sin that exists in my life. This is where I'm not believing the gospel. This is where I don't understand what it means that when Jesus is saying this. And to be welcomed not by that, that fear of judgment or of being shut down, but also being welcomed by fellow sojourners, fellow journeyers who are in that same place of wrestling, of longing for transparency, where we're met by that, and we're met by the gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ in those yeah. moments. That's transparent and vulnerable community. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece is that missional piece is actively extending the things that exist, the, 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 the ways of the kingdom of God to all people, actively. And so what I'd like us to do right now is uh, for you to turn in your tables. And uh, I'd love for you guys to just discuss a little bit. I'd love for you to discuss when, you, when it comes to this ecclesial minimum, when it comes to being worshiping communities on mission, to talk about what does is, what is that expression of worship look like? What could it look like? Not what does it look like based on what maybe I know or what I've always seen, but what, is, what are some of those expressions based on, on what God is doing in your own heart about worship? And what does that look like to enter into truly transparent and vulnerable community with one another where we aren't trusting ourselves to be the ones to hold things together, but we trust Jesus to be the ones? What are some of the, um, the hurdles or the challenges that might exist from that? And then the mission piece is, is so important here is how do we extend, actively extend the things of the kingdom of God to all people? What's hard about that? What ways do you begin to see that in the already, those things that God's already doing, the, the places that he already has you, and the voice that he's given you to extend the kingdom of God into those places, to, to bring Christ into those places. So if you just turn to your, to your neighbors at your, at your tables and just spend some time discussing that for a little bit, and then uh, I'd love to dialogue with, with you as far as what, what came up through your discussions. We'll add on to these conversations next week, but um, what what sorts of things are you are you dialoguing about at your at your tables, just surrounding this idea of being a worshiping community on mission? Either you know just the 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 freedom perhaps that comes in and being able to to step back and say it's 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 not necessarily all of this, but let's start from a rooted place of what really what really uh, is is the bedrock for what it means to, to live as the church. Maybe what are some of the hurdles that exist? But what, what sorts of things have you, uh, have you been talking about or that you've noticed as a result of that, that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are dreaming over there, aren't you? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Next week. <laughs>
Ja. Thanks for sharing. I know we could probably keep sharing, but um, they're singing, so. <laughs> <laughs> Loose more auditorium. Come on. We're almost there. Uh, so the reason why this ecclesial minimum is important is because, and we'll talk more about this next week, and I hope you come, because next week will be much more focused on microchurch formation. Today is much more high-level vision. What informs our own formation? What informs the formation of these communities? Somebody at our table uh, over here said, you know, the, the thing is, is that that transparency in community takes a lot of time. That there shouldn't be this expectation that just because we start meeting with one another over that first meal that our hearts are going to be open or we're going to open our chests up to each other. We're going to share blood and, you know, everything's going to be good. It, it requires a lengthy period of time of intentionality of, you know, for some of us in terms of these areas of worship, community, and mission, that threshold to step through on that is a mile wide for various reasons, either because we've been burned by other people in community or because we've, we've lacked knowledge or information or, or, or insight in terms of or clarity on how that's gone or because we haven't seen fruit in those, those kind of quick efforts that we've made for, for mission in the past. And so that threshold to continue to step forward and it gets, gets longer and longer. I mean, some of you are going to be in a community where, where your threshold to actually be transparent and honest is going to be much shorter. And actually your ability to lead in that, in that capacity to, to create and cultivate a safe space for folks to actually wrestle with those things is going to be of the utmost importance. And so even in that way, you realize that the way that God has chosen to form his body isn't that we're all minded in the same way and we're not all gifted in the same way and we're not all contributors in the same way that the importance of this body forming together and the, the uniqueness of that it is and to recognizing the uniqueness that exists in our communities is that without one or the other or, or the whole, we're lacking. In, the, in, that, in that full picture of the gospel, that full picture of who Jesus is as we're, as we're living that out. So the ecclesial minimum becomes something for us as we develop and form microchurch communities that becomes really important. 
Um, you'll learn next week that when we, when we talk about formation of microchurches, we really only have three, uh, three requirements in order to say yes. And one of those requirements is that you understand and that you, that you see a, the utmost importance of that ecclesial minimum. Because when you step out into these, these missional efforts and into these community efforts, it is very easy to become very much a, a worshiping community that lacks mission. And if that's the case, we actually end up becoming a bit hypocritical because we're learning, we're, we're, we're seeing in the scriptures what it is that Jesus is teaching us, and yet we're not putting into practice what it is in our everyday lives. Or we could become you know, really good at community and mission and actually become a, a humanitarian effort mm-hmm. because Jesus isn't there. And so the thing is, is that the important piece for as we form these microchurch communities is that we're always considering, are we, are we inviting Jesus into our efforts? Are we actually letting him be the ones to lead us versus us saying, this is how we're going to do it? Oh, yeah, we should probably pray. Yeah. So that ecclesial minimum becomes more and more important for us as we see our formation of microchurches. It allows us to meet each other when we come back into the gathered expression to actually be in support of one another. Because we can remind each other. We have the same language. We can say, hey, how's it going? How, how are you guys stepping in as a worshiping community on mission? What does that look like for you guys? And that language becomes familiar to us. It becomes something that, uh, that, that allows us to rest in this, in this work. Because there are times where we, we don't know what this is going to look like. That the thing that God requires and asks of us is, is our yes of obedience not the desire, to, not, the, not necessarily all the requirements to have all the answers of how it's going to go. And so that ecclesial minimum becomes really important. The other thing is that it, it also gives us a lot of freedom for creativity in these efforts. Oftentimes when we think about these things, we, we end up moving towards, well, a microchurch is going to look like a, a circle of chairs in a living room, and somebody's going to bring snacks, and somebody will have sent the email of prayer requests, and that's not, those are not bad things, okay? I'm not saying that that's not a bad thing, but we become kind of sequestered into that corner that that's what this is, when in reality, we see that the ways that, that Jesus unleashes the disciples through his spirit in all these different ways in the New Testament to bring about and declare the kingdom of God is done in, in a diverse, creative way, and that isn't supposed to be different for us today. We serve a creative God, and he longs to unleash us as a creative people on mission. The other thing is it does, it keeps us, it, it, it doesn't constrict us into these kind of paradigms that might exist in our minds. I'll tell you what, I still have them. You know, I have to be reminded from time to time, like, okay, why do I believe what I believe in this way? Or why am I, why am I walking somebody through it in this way or creating that sort of expectation versus a, God, what is it that you want to do in this, in this unique community that way? And so it moves us to that place of continued dependence upon Jesus mm-hmm. that will create and bear fruit and will ultimately be the thing that for those who have yet to come see Jesus, for those who have maybe been turned off by the church because of things that they've experienced, they've been hurt by the church, or they've been expelled by the church for different reasons, it it takes the pressure off of us who are limited in our scope, in our minds, and our abilities to not be the ones who answer 
for questions for everyone, but that allows for Jesus to be the one who invites, invites people to himself. And that allows us to get out of the way in that process. So there's a few things that we just want to end on before we, before we you know, let you go. That in terms of this work of being a worshiping community on mission, uh, that, that we've already talked a little bit about, so we'll, we'll breeze through it a little bit. But um, that, that are sometimes challenges for us in that way. And so Bree's going to talk a little bit about that, that worshiping community piece. Yeah, so one of the challenges that I think we're so easy to lean into is that this body, the micro churches, are based on affinity or proximity. So affinity being that we all look the same, act the same, like-minded, and proximity, like these people are close already. They're already in my circle, so it just makes sense that we would be a micro church. And in that challenge, we just want to recognize that it's really costly if we think that way when it comes to micro church formation, that although comfortable, although it would be really nice and comfortable and easy to step in with people that think like us or look like us or are close to us, that it's, it's costly to the work that God is doing. Um, at our table when we were talking, somebody made the comment that the group that they're in currently, they probably wouldn't be in outside of. It was a very intentional way of forming where they're with people that are different, that think different, that are in different spheres of influence and have different perspectives. So this was actually one thing that as Brad and I talked through everything was hard for me because coming from a church talking about ways that we were taught up, our small group was based on um, life stage. So it was, it was um, an affinity group. So you were the empty nesters, you were the young adults with children, you were the single unmarried, any of that. And so for me, it's been a perspective shift. And I just, I want you all to wrestle with that as well, that it is not based on affinity and proximity. That doesn't mean that it can't look like it. So at times, especially in the forming stages, you might look around and say, okay, this group is, looks a little bit like proximity or affinity. But to wrestle with the idea that we don't settle in that place. It might be a starting place. It might be a stage that you find yourself in formation, but that you're moving from that place into a missional community. Um, and that Brad touched on it earlier, that there's always porous walls that we never get to um, be or to a, a space where no one else is invited in because that's the basis of these is to invite and inspire others to encounter Jesus. So if we are comfortably settling back into these groups because of affinity or proximity, we just have to wrestle with the idea, are we allowing people to encounter Jesus in this way? Because as Trinity Mission Church, we see the microchurch body, like Brad said, as the second door, an equal door to the gathered space. It isn't a smaller door. It isn't the back door. So we want people to live into that invitation of encountering Jesus just as they would in the gathered space, but in their microchurch. So that is one of the challenges we want to talk about. And then there was this amazing quote from Bonhoeffer, which Ken will be happy with that really um, just talks to what they are based on. So if they're not based on affinity or proximity, um, they're based on the grace of the Lord, and so I'm just going to read it. It is by the grace of Jesus and nothing but the grace of Jesus that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. Mm -hmm. So it really just makes it simple. It makes it um, not in our hands or not in our control, which has been a common theme as we all talk, that we don't get to manipulate it and we don't get to... Um, make it what it is, but we get to be obedient and faithful 
and just step into what God is already doing. Second thing is, um, you know, as a, as a worshiping community, um, there, are, there are different things that, in some of these things, we use the word challenge, but really it's how do we continue to cultivate culture that maybe looks unique and different from the culture that we, that we live in on a day-to-day basis. And so, um, you know, the, the idea of, of a missional component that exists with all of these things. Um, you know, I've had conversations with many of you. Some of you are, are your hearts burn for unique and specific focuses of injustice that exist in, in the world today. And you're giving your lives to that. And that's wonderful. But it is no, less, no more wonderful than that community of people who want to open their homes to create safe space for people to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And to do that in a really restful way. Yeah. It's no more wonderful than that. It's diverse, but you're on the same team. And we're, we're all moving in the same direction. And so when it comes to mission, it's important that we don't, that we fight against the romanticizing of missional endeavors and missional work, that we don't platform people who are doing this over here, but these who are in the mundane faithfulness of everyday life in their workplace don't get the opportunity to express what it is that God's truly doing amongst them. And so that's that space for those, those, those microchurch communities to express that. So you may have a microchurch that is formed that is specifically focused around a group of people rally around the same missional focus. But you also may have people, and that's very specific, but you also may have a group of people who just gather, who have, have happened to rub shoulders at Trinity Mission Church on Sunday morning when you've gathered and you happen to go out for breakfast afterwards because you should do that. And <laughs> as a result you've learned that we should take the next steps to just get to know one another. Let's, let's take the next step after that, and let's see what God's doing, and let's start to ask some specific questions that exist in our midst. But the thing for either one of those things, whether that's a specific missional calling or it's a very general thing that, that represents many different ways in which the, the kingdom of God is being expressed and moved, is that there is still this culture that needs to exist in our midst that we give you permission to try things missionally, and let it blow up. And I say blow up because that's not my word. That's something that as a team, that's a cultural thing for our own team. Is that we want to be free to try things and say, this is going to fail. Or this did fail. <laughs> or it blew up in the way that I never expected and I can't believe what God's doing. And it's so beyond me. But either way, there's a freedom to, to take risks yeah. within this family. And to try things and to not be worried about performance and making sure that you get it all right. Because our commitment to you is to actually walk alongside of you and to to sit with you, to serve with you, to to be a sounding board with you. And to then to elevate the work that God's called you to do and not tell you what to do. But to ask him to inform you of what that looks like. And so I think in relation to the fact that we're cultivating a community that longs to see failure. I remember Ken saying a couple weeks, you know, in, after, in, in, our, in our gathered, you will fail. So we long for that because you know what? It brings us to a place of greater weakness and humility and need for Jesus to show up. And because this is a diverse community of both specific and general calling and, uh, and mission that 
that it's important that we, that we recognize that different contexts are gonna play into that, but there is still a universal strategy that I wanna leave with you guys as we step into the next steps because I don't want you leaving this with this expectation that, oh gosh, now I have to come up with what a microchurch is gonna look like. <laughs> or I have to somehow come up between now and next week an idea to bring into this. You're free from that, okay? Because that is not our motivation. Our motivation to is, is to unleash and to equip those that God is calling uniquely in the time that he's calling and to not to force, to force your hand. But this university strat, universal strategy is for everybody. And one is this. We don't know the call of, of Jesus. We don't understand what he's doing in our midst unless we saturate ourselves with him. Mm-hmm. We've got to be sponges. We've got to be spending that time in unique ways and specific ways and in ways that allow us to rest in that. I mean, our team was talking about it last night, and I'll tell you what, guys. For me right now, it's just simply when I get to the office every morning, I'm not rushing into the office first. I'm sitting in my car to just be still because there's a whole lot of to-do lists. There's a whole lot of items on the plate that need to be done, and I will do them in my strength as part of the mission that God's called me to unless I sit here and just say, God, what does faithfulness look like to me right, to you right now, for me today? And so we get to know who Jesus is. We understand the gospel. We're able to understand what ways we don't believe the gospel yet and the ways that we maybe aren't, aren't uh, trusting or believing the gospel yet. Second of all, intentional movement and relationship. We are in a very unique season right now as a new community. And that is why we don't start our, start our gatherings at 9 o'clock. Because it starts when you get here. It doesn't start when the music starts. It starts when you get here because we're the people of God. And so it's important that all of us agree to that heart of intentional community, intentional movement in relationship from stranger to acquaintance to genuine relationship. I know that's still very broad and especially in particular to the missional context that God might have you to the places where he's already put you. It might take a long time, and it might actually go, go quicker for some of you. But either way, for all of us, whether we're in Christian community or we're inviting people and in relationship with people who are not in Christian community, we move intentionally through this pipeline of relationship from stranger to acquaintance to deep relationship. And then the next strategy is this. We ought to be asking universal missional questions. Now, there's a, there's a great... There's a great resource out there called The Art of Neighboring. Uh, it's just wonderful from a standpoint of just giving really key kind of uh, helps for how to, how to connect with neighbors that way. Um, but some of these questions are like this. Who are you trying to love for the sake of the gospel? What are their names? Do you know them as people and, as sto- and, and their stories? What are their real and their deep needs? What ideas do you have to engage them as people and not projects or problems? What's the frequency or the timeline for engaging with them? And so as you, as you step through that, I think we all have that responsibility as in circling back to this heart of paying attention, we ask those simple questions that allow us to pay attention. And knowing that when you do that within your microchurch community, that these questions can still exist there too. But just as you do that in your microchurch, we do that here, that we handle all of that with grace 
and love and freedom and patience and transparency and a willingness to support one another. Yeah, we need to spur each other on. We need to challenge each other at times to make sure that we're stepping into what it is that God's calling us, even when it's hard. But we still live in that tension of doing that with patience and with grace towards one another as well. And so next week, what we want to do is just walk you through that simple pipeline. Because you know what? Right now, you might say, okay, great. This is wonderful information. I have, I have this kind of this idea of what's fueling this. But even in decentralized community structure, structure is still good. <laughs> scaffolding is still important. And so uh, we wanted to share some of that scaffolding for you next week to help you walk through it. And we also want to give you opportunity to hear from some of these developing micro churches to share with you where they're at in it. Because like I said, you don't become a micro church once you're fully engaged. When you say yes to this call, we, we, we walk with you as a micro church, as a developing micro church planter. And so it just, it, it, it changes the way we look at legitimacy and value as we walk through that process. So thank you so much for being here this morning. It's great to have you guys here. We're excited to, to just journey with you. If you have questions or thoughts, feel free to come up. Um, if this spurs something on and you want that chance to, to connect individually or, or throughout the week, feel free to email brad or bree at trinitygr.org. But it's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, let me close us in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we could spend. I, I'm grateful, Lord, for just the opportunity to, uh, to share what it is that, God, you are, are put in front of us, Lord. And we recognize that um, we really need you. And, uh, God, that you would, you would inform and that you would, um, you would lead in your timing and in your ways, Lord. And that we would be free from performance, free from comparison, God, that, that you would keep us uh, in that place to be able to just continue to focus on what does it mean uh, to live as your church and to live as your disciples, Jesus, Lord. So may you reveal more of yourself to us, Lord. We hunger for that. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.